Welcome back to the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL alongside Senior Team Reporter Charlie Potter on a Wednesday morning, February the 28th, 2024. Boy, March is right here, Charlie, and it should be an interesting one between Kalen DeBoer cranking up uh, his first run through spring drills as the head football coach at the University of Alabama, and obviously, boy, basketball with Nate Oates and that men's team. Women's team at Alabama, I think, is going to qualify once again for an at-large bid to the women's NCAA tournament. So a lot of hoops, uh, but definitely a lot of football, too. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, we'll be out at practice next week, this time next week, which is wild. Um, you know, we've, we've been able to go to practice some in the postseason, uh, but I don't think it's been since 2021 fall camp uh, since we've been to practice in Tuscaloosa. So getting a few practices in uh, this spring, uh, we're going to hear from assistant coaches. It's a new day <laughs> in Tuscaloosa. But, yeah, it's just gearing up for a busy but exciting month of March because we'll have plenty of spring football coverage, as one would expect. But, you know, basketball uh, is coming down to the wire for this SEC regular season championship. And, you know, Alabama has an opportunity tonight uh, at Ole Miss to to win back-to-back uh, -back 21 seasons for the first time in over a decade. So, um, you know, Nate Oates, even though I know he's, he's pretty – He's pretty pissed about the Kentucky game. Uh, I think they have a good shot to bounce back tonight in Oxford. Yeah, at least Kentucky last night semi-legitimized that performance against Alabama from last Saturday afternoon at Rupp Arena. The Cats came from way back on the road to knock off Mississippi State. That was a fun game to watch last night. I think he had three SEC games last night that were decided by a total of six points. It's a great league, man. Fun league to watch. We'll get into some hoops coming up later in the show as we preview that critical matchup for Alabama in Oxford late night in a midweek affair with the Rebels. Hey, Charlie, also, we're going to do some pre-spring inventory where this Alabama football roster is concerned. I figured what better way to do that than with a draft. You and I will draft 11 players each. We'll do the offense today. Since you are such a gracious guest here on the show, <laughs> you will get the first selection and then we'll move through our picks. And it's kind of interesting because I think in some areas, you're probably going to have to look at some early enrollees. Certainly some of the transfers yeah. that came over are going to be in play as we make these selections. But uh, offensive line, you're trying to fill some spots there with transfers and early enrollees and then just kind of the anticipated impact that you're thinking for some of these guys. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's a, there are plenty of familiar faces, but there's some, there's some unknowns out there. I think this offense uh, has the potential to be really good, but uh, you got to see how some of these young guys and new guys develop and mesh. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you giving me the number one pick. Do you want to start? I like this from James White before we do. Okay. He chimes in here in the comments. Will you guys <laughs> make draft trades? James, man, do you do you want a, a writing credit for the program? Because uh, I'm always looking for some help here. I like that idea. Maybe as we get through it and we go back and uh, perhaps think about that based on needs that yeah. we're able to fill. But, yeah, we'll go ahead and get this thing started, Charlie. And, again, you're going to have that first pick. So, uh, quarterback, obviously, when you think about the NFL draft, 
so many of those guys are going to go in that top spot. Uh, but there are some areas where it's a little thin in terms of quality or at least experienced quality on the offensive side of the ball. With all that out of the way, who's number one in our offensive player draft, Charlie? Yeah, I tried to make a, a big board just automatically who I thought of whenever I wanted to have a team of offensive players from this 2024 roster. And the first person came to mind, like as you mentioned it, there's – there's some thin areas, but uh, I don't think there's a better player at his position on the offensive side of the ball than Tyler Booker. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that offensive guard usually garners the number one overall pick, but I do think when you look at this offense and what returns uh, again, Booker Booker's going to be an all American candidate going into the season. I think he has a good shot to be that after the season, if he stays healthy, uh, he's a guy too, you know, depending on how the board shakes out, I could, this is my team. I could theoretically move him to left tackle or right tackle if I needed him to. So that flexibility is good, but I, I got to go with T book at number one. Positional versatility. I thought about it myself for the reasons you said, and then also looking at the returning offensive linemen, as yeah. far as experience goes, you're really talking about just a couple of guys, Tyler Booker, Jaden Roberts, Elijah Pritchett did play some last year. We saw Wilkin Formby, Miles McVay, Rock Montgomery, more in some mop-up role situations. But once you get beyond Booker and Roberts, you probably start thinking about Parker Brailsford. And I'm tempted to maybe go with the Washington transfer there. But you know which way I'm going to go. I'm going to go quarterback. And for now, I'm going to take Jalen Milrow, which – I think your selection of Booker is interesting because it could be perceived anyway as a foreshadowing, Charlie, of your thoughts about the quarterback position as we get through spring practice and into summer and look ahead to the fall because of the presence of Ty Simpson and Dylan Lonergan and Austin Mack coming over. But I'm going with the top 10 Heisman guy. I understand there are some steps, some advancement he needs to make in his game, especially with what we know about Kalen DeBoer and his offense and what it's predicated on. But I'm still going Jalen with my first. No, I thought about it. Um, and I thought about Jalen at the number one spot. But I almost kind of took a, a fantasy football approach with this and wait on the quarterback. Um, uh. Now, granted, Travis, you can screw me over and take two quarterbacks. Um, but – I don't see that happening. So I was like, I'm just going to wait. I figured you would go quarterback early. And, uh, you know, I, I do think – I think Jalen's the guy right now. Uh, I think he can benefit tremendously from being in this offense. But um, I do think Alabama has a very strong quarterback room overall. So I was going to let the pieces on the board kind of fall the way I thought they would. And for me, this is, this is tough because I could go a, a multitude of ways, but – when you look at just draft and, and need, I think the wide receiver position, while there's several guys that I would like to have on my team, you got to start to scoop them up. And um, I know he's a guy that you like. Go back to that position versatility. I think that's going to be kind of a, a theme here early for me. But I'm going to go with a guy like Kendrick Law who can wear mm -hmm. a bunch of different hats in this offense. I think he's he's fast as hell. You ask, ask teammates, and you know a lot of them will say Kendrick Law is one of the fastest guys on the team. But uh, he's willing to get in and do some of the dirty work, 
So I'm going K-Law uh, with my second pick to, to fill one of those receiver spots. And by the way, I should have done this earlier. To kind of give you a lay of the land of this draft, we obviously have to take five offensive linemen and a quarterback. Now, once you get beyond those six guys, when you talk about running back, tight end, wide receiver, if you want to go two running backs, two tight ends, two wide receivers, you can do that. Sort of a uh, you know 22 personnel. Uh, you want to go 13 personnel. You want to go three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. Maybe a couple of tight ends and a running back. For 12 personnel, you can do that as well. But yeah, foundational pieces between offensive line and quarterback is where we started. And then from there, I like the pick of Kendrick Law because even at the running back position, I could consider him an option in some situations in just about any offense out there. So I like the pick of K-Law. You know he's going to be physical. Uh, It sounds like Jamarcus Shepard does put a lot of value into that. Uh, Jeremy Bernard expected to lend some of that as well coming over for Washington. With my second pick, though, I'm going Jaden Roberts. I'm going interior offensive lineman like you did with Tyler Booker. Also, maybe not to the extent that Tyler Booker could do it if it absolutely came down to it, but I think Jaden Roberts could kick out and play. He could play right tackle for you. Not sure he's a left tackle, but I think he could do that. So, I'm going with big number 77 at number two overall in my picks. I feel like I'm inside your head. I knew exactly what you were going to do one, two. Uh, So (laughs) my board is intact. It's falling the way I wanted it to. Oh, no. Uh, Now, the only thing is my third pick, I I do have a slash. Like, I'm torn uh, because that position versatility is sticking in my head. But I'm going to go – I'm going to continue to try to get playmakers, and I'm going to go running back here, Um, you know, I guess this is still technically the first round. Maybe if you look at the picks, maybe it's early second. So if that's the case, it makes sense. But I'm going to go with Justice Haynes. Uh, Seeing what he was able to do in the Rose Bowl, uh, I feel like he should have got more carries. I think he's a guy that a year in the program, having his position coach back, um, having opportunities ahead of him with guys like Jace McClellan and, and Wendell Williams moving on, I think Justice is in for a huge season. Now, I look, you and I both are fans of, of Jam Miller. Uh, I think he's a, a great player. I think he's going to open spring as, as RB1. But I do think that the potential that Justice has is a lot higher, and, and I like him to fill my number one running back spot. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting – Uh, scenario to consider with the coaching change. I think if Nick Saban were still around and maybe Tommy Reese were still around, uh, you might even think about Justice Haynes or I would higher perhaps even than a third slot type of guy in this draft. But it makes sense with what we're expecting anyway out of Nick Sheridan Kalen DeBoer and this new offense. I'm going to go Jeremy Bernard here. I think I got to go receiver pretty early. You went there with the second pick of your draft with Kendrick Law. So give me the Washington transfer who it could be interesting in terms of how these guys impact each other. You know, does Jeremy Bernard coming in, does that impact Kendrick Law? Um, You know, I think there's some quality depth in terms of talent at the wide receiver position. But when you just talk about experience right now, it's Jeremy Bernard, Kendrick Law, some Kobe Prentice in that mix. Uh, Get into Jalen Hale a little bit, who I think we both really, really like. But I'll go Jeremy Bernard with my third pick. 
That's a good pick. Um, and hearing from Jamarcus Shepard yesterday, he was on uh, the radio here in Tuscaloosa with Ryan Fowler. Uh, the way that he talked about him and the physicality he plays with and how refs almost come over and be like, you got to settle this guy down. Um, I, I think he's going to be a big time player in this offense. I think he can kind of be a tone setter, not only from the physicality he plays with, but he knows this offense. You know, he's a guy that came in from Michigan State and, um, you know, had to learn this Washington offense. Uh, from the other guys in the room. Now he can kind of flip roles and be the teacher and be like, you know, hey, this is how you do this or that. So I, I think he's going to be a big addition for the room. But, but man, this board, it's fallen exactly how I wanted it. Um, that position versatility, who I was kind of torn on at number three, this might be a little bit of a surprise, uh, but I'm going to go with a guy that can play uh, either tight end or wide receiver. We've actually seen him change his Instagram profile uh to just so that he's a wide receiver and i'm going to go with caleb odom with my number four pick um he's a guy that when we were out in california uh whether it was from sources or even from the players themselves he was generating some positive buzz as an early enrollee in practice and that's usually a a good sign of things to come you know this time last year i know people don't really want to hear about it but it was caleb downs that was doing that so uh i think he's a guy that can make an immediate impact in a in a variety of ways and uh, that position versatility, man, it's it's important to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think for right now, Caleb Odom makes a lot of sense and probably even in terms of by the time fall rolls around. Uh, but then when you add Ryan Williams to that mix and a couple yeah. of other summer enrollees, I, I won't be surprised at all if Caleb Odom is getting major buzz coming up here in March and April. And I won't be surprised if that carries over into his true freshman season. 6'4", 220 pounds or so, able to use him in so many different ways. You can still use him in ways like a tight end, which I'm guessing in making this selection, you're almost considering him like a Kendrick Law as a versatile guy that you can use in multiple, multiple formations and personnel groupings. So Caleb Odom makes a lot of sense to me right there with your fourth selection. Me, I'm a sucker for the big guys. And so I'm going center. And I think you'll hear a collective applause from the Alabama fan base with Parker Brailsford here in this pick. I know I went Jaden Roberts a couple of picks ago, but I'm going to solid up the interior of that offensive line. Brailsford has also played guard in the past. He's an interesting guy because he's not what we've seen in the past, the, the, the most recent uh, iteration of Alabama offensive lineman being 310 plus or so. He's more, or he was last season in that 275. I would think he's probably going to get the 290 plus coming up here, but I'll go Parker Brailsford, man. Got to have somebody snap the football, Charlie. <laughs> you're going to run the shotgun. And so I think Brailsford fits in here at four. Yeah, that's the, I, I thought I was going to have a clean sweep on first five picks. I really did. I thought you were going to go a different way at four. Um, so that one hurts a little bit, but you got to counter, you got to respond. And this is a position, um, that's super thin. So I'm going to stick with the offensive line. I'm going to take a tackle because Alabama really only has about four of those on the roster, at least true tackles. So I, I think that Elijah Pritchett with what they lost with both JC Latham and Caden Proctor moving on, it's hard to not imagine him in the spring filling one of those starting roles. So I'm going to go with a big fella to fill that blind spot role in my offensive line at number five. There you go. Elijah Pritchett. We talked about it before. Alabama's a tough place to get a second window 
or at least it was in the Nick Saban era. Usually going into that second, third year, if you had that opportunity to fill a spot, you needed to do it because then you became sort of a sandwich guy. You had the guy that you didn't beat out. And then, oh, by the way, there's two or three more coming that are going to be capable of perhaps keeping you out if and when that next opportunity rolls around. But looks like it's sitting there for Elijah Pritchett for the second straight spring. We'll see if he can take advantage of it. So as I look here at my fifth selection and I scan the remnants of my board, gosh, I love those offensive linemen. And what thing about offensive line with this draft is, as we talked about from the outset, you don't have a lot of proven guys. It's a little bit of a crapshoot. I feel pretty good about Brailsford on the ball, Roberts at guard, or if I really needed him, I could play him at tackle. So I'm going to go with another wide receiver right here. And I'm going to go Jalen Hale, who I think is going to be perfect for this offense. Guy that can play on the outside, but you can move him around. Showed you last year as a true freshman. Just a great ability to get vertical, to go up and attack the football with his hands. I think the future is only going to get brighter and brighter for Jalen Hale in this offense. So give me him right there at that number five spot. Yes, I should have probably stopped talking early because you've kind of taken my (laughs) last two picks. So I'm going to cut you at the knees a little bit here with this pick. And I'm going to go, I'm going to take the other running back off the board and take Jam Miller. I'm going to, I'm going to solidify that backfield uh, and have two running backs on this 11 man team. Uh, I've got a plan for that. I've got a plan for that, Charlie. I've got, I've got a few tricks I think left, but uh, (laughs) no, I, I think Jam, look, Justice Haynes deserves all the credit in the world. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player at Alabama. But I also think that Jam Miller can be just as good. So I, I love having both of those guys on this team. I don't have to worry about running back. Um, those guys can both catch the ball in the backfield. They do a little bit of a different uh, – they both bring a little bit of a different approach to the position, which I like to have some some differences. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. He's just hogging up the running backs here, or so it seems. <laughs> and so with that selection – I guess I better go running back here pretty soon or I'm going to be without, although I think you're full in all likelihood at the running back spot after taking both Justice Haynes and Jam Miller. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to look back at the offensive line, actually, and I got to start thinking tackle for sure here. And so when I think of that and I look at what's left, I'm thinking Miles McVay, Wilkin Formby. Uh, But what about Olasalinen? He's a guy that I think could give you some of that versatility between guard. Maybe he's a tackle here moving forward. But you know what? Go ahead and give me Wilkin Formby, the second-year player, one of our Jags from Northridge High School right there in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I think he's going to fit nicely into this scheme at the tackle position. I feel pretty good about Wilkin Formby. And, man, it's a big spring, Charlie, for all of these tackles because – It almost seems like in some corners that it's a foregone conclusion that this staff is going to go to the portal for at least one tackle. But this is a great opportunity for a guy like Formby, for Miles McVay, uh, Pritchett again with that second window to show that they're capable of holding things down. I'm going to go Wilkin Formby because I think he can be a left tackle in this offense. And then with Jaden Roberts already in my back pocket, you know, I can I can use him at guard. I can use him at tackle. I feel like I still have a little versatility there. 
No, I like that pick. And and I wanted to get um, one of those younger tackles, but having Pritchett uh, kind of fall to number five, um, it, it kind of is what it is. So for me, I know you're scooping up the offensive linemen, but I'm going to try to solidify some of my skill positions. And it is kind of surprising here. I think we're on the seventh pick each um, that Kobe Prentice is still on the board. You know, he's a guy that is a, uh, it can be a playmaker. He stepped up in some big moments. I think he's a guy that can flourish in this new offense. So to add him to a receiving core with Kendrick Law and Caleb Odom, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that pick at number seven. Yeah, you know, Kobe's one of those. We talked about this uh, on Monday's show here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. Vets that you shouldn't sleep on. And Kobe was probably a guy we didn't talk about enough. Yeah. Uh, but he would certainly fit that bill, I think. I think Kobe still has plenty of good football in front of him. Uh, and again, uh, it seems to be uh, a good fit for this offense. I know there's been talk about, well, looks like Shepard and these guys like bigger receivers. Uh, that's not necessarily Kobe Prentice, but Kobe's not, you know, he's not 5'9", 165 either. And yeah. uh, should be continuing to make those steps in terms of his physical development here going into year three. So that's pick number seven for Charlie Potter in our offensive player draft. He goes with Kobe Prentice. My seventh pick, let's see here. I've already got three offensive linemen. I've got my quarterback. I've got two wide receivers. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to tight end and I'm going to go with a guy that feels a little bit forgotten, which is interesting considering that the tight end will still have a place in this offense moving forward under Kalen DeBoer. I'm going to go CJ Dupree. Give me some veteran presence there at the tight end position with my seventh pick. No, I like that. I was kind of hoping CJ would fall a little bit uh, to take a look at him in a later round. But no, I, I think that his experience in the program, uh, he can help lead that team or that unit, him and him and Rob, Robbie Utes. I think both of those guys um, – can be beneficial uh, for the new offensive staff. So looking at the board. Number eight. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'm going to go back to the offensive line. The guy you actually mentioned a minute ago, because, um, you know, we both have interior guys. We have both, we both have interior offensive starters coming back. So I'm going to take a guy like Olasa Lenin off the board to play mm -hmm. guard opposite of Tyler Booker. Well, I guess Tyler Booker's still TBD for me, depending on how the rest of this goes. But, um, no, I think Olas is a guy. He got some play this past year. All those young freshmen did. But he's someone that looks apart. Um, you know, be, I was interested to see what he would look like coming into the SEC. And I know he didn't play meaningful snaps this past season, but I, he didn't look out of place. I think that's big. And a year in the program, now having to learn from a new offensive line coach, you know, we'll see what some of these young cats can do. But I think a guy like Olas is a guy that can, uh, you know, can help an offensive lineman in a pinch. There you go. OLs. I think they're going to start coming off the board here even more and more as we get later in the rounds, because I'm going to go OL right here too. Give me big Miles McVeigh. So if I can go Miles McVeigh at number eight, I feel like I can put him at the right tackle position. And then I can stick with Wilkin Formby at the left tackle. And then I still have on my interior, Parker Brailsford and Jaden Roberts. I'm liking my OL right now because I'm probably bigger, no pun intended, on Miles McVeigh than <laughs> some other folks are. So uh, I think he's still got that potential. Now, in terms of system fit, 
and the boxes that the previous offensive line coach and staff and uh, really just the regime in general maybe liked. I'm not sure if he translates as seamlessly as maybe a Wilkin Formby does or a couple of these other guys, but I think Miles McVay, if he has a good run, I think that's always going to have been critical for him, regardless of coaching change. Miles McVay needed a good run through the offseason program. If that happens, then I think he can still be very much in play. Because I like this guy. I like the way he plays. And at the right tackle position, I feel like you can still enlist a mauler more uh, than a total pass protector. So I like Miles McVay there at number eight. So I've got my two tackles. I got two interior guys. Uh, boy. Uh, I'm I'm cooking with gas, Charlie, on that offensive line. Now your offensive line's good. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with that too, because I think I'm gonna be interested to see what these newcomers can do. The offensive line. You got four new guys coming in. You got a transferred and uh, Betrand. You've got Poe. You got Sanders. You got Ayanada. But I like a guy like Casey Poe. I think that position versatility, going back to the pillar of this draft for me, is big. He's a guy that. I think a lot of people look at it as a center. Uh, I think he can be that anchor, that leader uh, of the offensive line. But I think he could even play all five positions if needed. I think if in a pinch I needed him to play offensive tackle, he could. So I'm going to go with Casey Poe, take one of the youngsters off the board, uh, just because I like that I can move him around to a bunch of different spots. Man, that's got some Barrett Jones feels to it, all that I just heard about Casey Poe. <laughs> but I get it. You know, I could absolutely see that being the case. Very coveted interior offensive lineman coming out of the state of Texas. And again, we alluded to this in the opening about the offensive line, perhaps including at least one of these early enrollees. And uh, we see it there for Charlie with Casey Poe. I'm tempted to stay with the offensive line right here as I continue to scan the options because you know what I need. I need another interior type to go along with Jaden Roberts and Parker Brailsford. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. I'm going to take Rock Montgomery. See, you're kind of sleeping on my guy, Rock, because you took the early enrollee over the returning guy. Now, again, you're transitioning from a certain system, a certain preference from the previous regime. So, that could come into play with Rock, but I think Rock, too, could give you some versatility. Not at the tackle position, but if you need to work him in some, maybe at center, he can do that. So I'll take Rock Montgomery, number nine of my selections, Charlie. No, I, I like Rock. I just think that I don't think Rock can play tackle, and that's yeah. what I needed with Casey Poe right. in a pinch. So that's that's the thinking there. Um yeah, for me, um, how many offensive linemen do I have? One, two, three, four. I need one more, um, and I obviously need a quarterback. So I'm going to go – I'm going to play Casey Poe at right tackle, and I'm going to play plug-and-play James Brockermeyer center. There you go. That's where we're going. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense there with uh, the veteran – you talk about program veterans that are, let's face it, being overlooked uh, at this point of their time at the University of Alabama. But, uh, you know, guys like Seth McLaughlin that saw the field at the center position, I know it didn't end well 
for for Seth McLaughlin at UA, but uh, he did make it happen at the center position. So I think there's some parallels that you could perhaps draw from that situation uh, as well. So I've got my offensive line. My offensive line, I've got Jaden Roberts. I got Parker Brailsford. I got Wilkin Formby. I got Miles McVay. I got Rock Montgomery. I've got my quarterback. I've got a couple of wide receivers. I've got a tight end. Um, when I look at what's left of the tight end position, I consider Robbie Oots because he's played so much football, but I'm left to wonder again, and I think he's a better athlete, all-around athlete, than what he gets credit for because of this sort of Humvee look that he has to him. <laughs> you know, he looks like a grader more than a playmaker. Uh, Danny Lewis, you could consider there at tight end. Ty Lockwood. What's interesting, too, man, is all the coaching changes. When we talk about positionally, Brian Ellis coaching tight ends, Shepard with the wide receivers, uh, uh, Coach Cap with the offensive line. Um, gosh, I want to stay with the uh, the wide receiver position here, I think. And with what's left, uh, you've got some options that really just haven't played much. But you know what? I'm going Emmanuel Henderson. Give me yeah. E-Man. I'm not betting against speed. And he's got some length. He's got some versatility in how you can use him. Uh, he's not Kendrick Law yet, but he looked to be on a pass similar to a Kendrick Law in terms of how he was going to eventually see the field on offense because he was a, he's a very good special teamer as well. So I'll go with that number 10 pick, Charlie. I'm going E-Man Henderson. That's a good pick. I had him uh, on the board and, and someone that I, I was kind of eyeballing. Um, but to take Caleb Odom, it, that, that position versatility – uh, was tough to pass up, but I think I think Emmanuel Henderson in this new offense, uh, he's a guy that can uh, really mm -hmm. flourish. Uh, I think he can be someone that they come in and and see. And, and now he is a guy that dealt with injury, but they can come in and be like, well, why wasn't this guy on the field? Um, you know, I think he and and the other guy that I thought about was Bubba Hampton too. Um, you know, I remember uh, back in the early signing period, Nick Saban just gushing over this guy for what he can do on the football field. And his versatility is something I think uh, that can help this offense. But for me, you know, I saved the, the best for last, I guess. And I go a quarterback and you could go a couple different ways. You could go with a guy that, that knows this offense and Austin Mack, uh, that is just a, a gigantic human being, or you can go with a guy that has been in the program, uh, chose to come back, and has seemingly progressed over the course of his career. And, and I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with Ty Simpson. Um, you know, I, I do think that Jalen's going to open spring as the starter. I think he's going to start the first game of the season. I think Jalen is a talented football player that um, can win a lot of football games for Alabama. But if something were to happen to Jalen, I think Ty Simpson can come in and play uh, really good football. So I think he's someone that you can tell has matured. I think that's significant and may be overlooked. Uh, and I do think he's progressed. So I, I feel good with Ty at my last spot to fill out my 11-man roster. Yeah, it, it's a good pick, especially in the 11 hole, like you said you were going to do from the outset, <laughs> take the quarterback late. Now, for me, if I didn't take Jalen Milrow, I probably would have taken Dylan Lonergan. And it doesn't line up in terms of what the expectation is going to be. And I can see Ty continuing to improve and being very tough to keep off the field. but I think about fit, and for this offense, when I think about Dylan Lonergan and what he could do in an offense like this that is predicated on getting the ball out quickly and accurately, woof, 
Uh, if this guy sticks around and understanding Austin Mack was the chosen one in terms of the transfer portal, bringing him in, you know this staff likes Austin Mack because they had to know uh, what they were going to be losing at the quarterback position in all likelihood yeah. by bringing him along from Seattle. So very intriguing prospect in Austin Mack, Dylan Lonergan, very, very good situation, as you've said, there in the quarterback room. Now, I don't have a running back to this point. Or do I? Or do I already have a running back, Charlie? And no, Tex Titer. Tex Titer here in the comments. Not sure if you saw this, man. Is Tex Titer, you know, I'm starting to wonder. Tex Titer might be Bill O'Brien. You see that? He says, Travis, move Milroy to running back and take Ty. This was a few picks ago. You know, Bill O'Brien spent some time in Houston. You know, maybe this is B.O.B. tuned into the podcast this morning. But I could consider potentially Emmanuel Henderson if I wanted to play him at running back. He was previously a, uh, one of the, if not the top running back prospect in the country coming out of high school. Uh, he was right there near the top, but I'm going to go on the assumption that Emmanuel's going to play, continue to play wide receiver. Makes total sense. So I will go Richard Young here with my 11th pick. And I did this sort of, especially after you took Jam Miller to go along with Justice Haynes. I just figured, you know, he's going to be there at the very end of the draft. And also because what we saw last year from Washington was really only needed one running back. Dylan Johnson was the guy. Now, they got some contributions from a couple other guys, but you know, Dylan Johnson was 250-plus carries. Dylan Johnson was, what, 1,300 rushing yards. Now, am I saying Richard Young's ready to provide that type of production? I don't know. I think he's talented enough. He's gifted enough, and he does have a year in the program. So some of those things, some of those finer aspects of running back play, like pass protection, receiving, those type of things – I got to think he's benefited from that time under Rob Gillespie, who comes back with him as a part of this staff. So there you go. There's my 11th pick. I'm going to go Richard Young, the the other running back in that room to go along with Justice Haynes and Jam Miller. Also, Daniel Hill as an early enrollee, going to be a part of spring drills. You know, we had a comment here, too, about Cuevas, uh, Josh Cuevas, I guess, the tight end transfer. You know, I just, Charlie, I don't know about you. I just wasn't all that jazzed about going too early or too in depth on the tight end position. Not that it won't have a place in this offense, but just for now, anyway, kind of played it safe where the tight ends are concerned. Yeah. Um, theoretically, if you look at it, I didn't take a tight end. Uh, true. <laughs> if you want to put Caleb Odom at uh, at wide receiver, but um, yeah, it's, it's TBD. Uh, that's that's also a, a very popular offseason question is how much is the tight end going to be involved? Can can so-and-so play tight end? But, um, you know, I think that Nick Sheridan and that offense were able to do some good things with the tight end last year. I think they were a little bit more involved even than what Alabama um, did. And that's with Tommy Reese coming from a place at Notre Dame whenever he liked to use the tight end. So I think there's still a place for him. Um, I wasn't going to pick two, though, um, whenever I kind of broke it down and, and chose Odom early. Uh, just because, for me, with taking two running backs, because I like what you said there at the end about Richard Young and, and really only needing one with how this offense has looked in the past, um, you need as many playmakers on the outside as you can get. And uh, I kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit from that regard. But, you know, I think that 
these two running backs also can can make up for it in the passing game. So I, I think yes, the wide receiver position is going to be at a premium just in terms of targets in this offense. But I do think that tight ends and and running backs can be involved as well. And I'm interested to see in the spring just how much those guys are used and, and what guys are filling those roles. So there you go. Quarterbacks. Charlie took Ty Simpson with the number 11 pick. Save the best for last, right, Charlie? Yep. I took Jalen Milrow at quarterback number one overall. Running back position, Charlie goes Justice Haynes at three and Jam Miller at five. I waited until the 11th pick to take Richard Young. Uh, tight ends, Charlie, technically at least, didn't take a tight end. As he's pointed out, though, Caleb Odom could fill that role for him quite nicely. And Charlie is bullish on the early enrollee. Took him number four overall. Tight end, I took C.J. Dupree there. At number seven, I think he can be sort of a Westover type guy from Washington yeah. last year. He could be 40 plus catches if if that's the direction that that they choose to go with that position. Once again, wide receivers for Charlie, Caleb Odom. He goes Kobe Prentice at number seven. So just a couple wide receivers for well, Charlie. I had Kendrick Law at two. Kendrick Law, my bad. Yep. Kendrick Law at two. So three wide receivers. I like that pick of Kendrick Law. Um, wide receivers for yours truly. I went with Jeremy Bernard, number three, Jalen Hale, number five, uh, Emmanuel Henderson, number 10. And then the offensive line for both of us, Tyler Booker, the number one overall pick in the offensive player draft today. Charlie goes with the third year player there. He also selects Elijah Pritchett at the tackle position there at five. He goes Olas Alinen at eight. He goes Casey Poe, the early enrollee at nine. And then James Brockermeyer at number 10. Offensive lineman for myself, I went Jaden Roberts at two. I went Parker Brailsford at four. I went Wilkin Formby at six. I went Miles McVay at eight and Rock Montgomery at nine. So there you go, Charlie. There's your draft. Let's. Uh, I'll put these on the round table. I'll post these picks in the thread for the show there on the round table. We'll let everybody else hash it out. Okay. Draft day grades, you know? So we'll see how that works out. But, you know, something else that needs to work out is that Alabama men's basketball team uh, defense. And I think it's safe to say at this point, when you look at the four remaining games on the regular season schedule for Nate Oates' team, Charlie, this is a must win. Now, could you lose this game and theoretically still win the SEC? Yeah, if you if you win the next three in all likelihood, or at least beat Tennessee and then split from Arkansas and Florida, I guess there's some scenarios where you could still make this work. But going into this game, Charlie, does it does it feel like a must win to you? It does. And you know, look, Alabama's bounced back pretty well after some of these losses in SEC play, especially disappointing losses or lopsided losses. Um but it's it's a game on the road against an Ole Miss team late at night. It kind of is a, a test your your metal game for Alabama. If they can respond the right way, I think it sets up nicely for the final three games of the season. And, and two of those are, are going to be tough ones with that matchup against Tennessee at home and that road trip to Florida next week. But um, you know, this is an Ole Miss team that's a little pesky. 
Yeah, they uh, I think they're second in the SEC in steals. So as much as defense is going to be a point of emphasis for Alabama, it has been all season long. It kind of just Alabama is what it is. They're going to have they're going to be up and down. There's going to be some some positive showings and they're going to have I don't know if they'll have a, a Kentucky game, but I will say this. Kentucky also shot the shit out of the ball in that game. <laughs> like you have a guy saying, and Justin Edwards go 10 for 10 from the field, four for four from the floor or from three. Uh, you have all five guys in double figure shooting above 50%. That just doesn't happen. Now, Nate wasn't happy with um, the turnovers. I think they had 16, which led to 29 points for Kentucky. I think they logged the Cats at 16 uh, transition points. So that's 45 points right there before you even get in your half-court defense. So I, I get why he's upset. Uh, I think he's even more miffed about the turnovers consistently being an issue. And, and that can't happen tonight at Ole Miss because, again, they're a team that can uh, that likes to turn the ball over. Uh, they have, I think, three of the top 12 guys in the SEC in terms of steals per game. So it's not just defense that Nate's going to be preaching tonight, but it is. I agree. I, I think it's a must-win game because um, you know you got to take care of your home games. That game on Saturday is going to be tough. So this one you got to get out of the way if you want to uh, keep a, in that race for the SEC regular season title. Yeah, Ole Miss not exactly prolific on the offensive end. So even if this is a game where Ole Miss is in the 60s, maybe climbs into the low 70s, I don't know how much you're going to take from it in terms of Alabama's defensive effort. I do know this is one of the reasons why you have to stay old in college basketball. It's games like tonight when you're coming off an embarrassing blowout loss at Kentucky. And as you said, give Kentucky credit. I mean, Edwards, Kentucky fans don't want to hear it, but that was like his Christian Leitner game <laughs> that Christian Leitner had against Kentucky, what, 30 plus years ago now? Jeez. Yeah. That's just that seem possible. But yeah, it's 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 this type of game that you sort of take some solace in feeling like this is this is why you go to the portal too, in part, not just because of statistical production that you need to implement into your team, but you've got guys that should be able to handle this situation and respond in a way uh, that they need to. And you know, what about Latrell Wright Cell, Charlie? I Hearing Nate yesterday, I didn't walk away from that with the warm and fuzzies in terms of Wrightsell's availability. No, he sounded more positive on Hey Coach on Monday night, kind of talking about how uh, Latrell is expected to get back into some live stuff at Tuesday's practice. But then after Tuesday's practice, it wasn't as positive. Now, granted, Nate keeps that stuff close to his chest. Um, you know, he's going to wait until closer to tip off to to let that out or to to let that get out. And um you know, we'll see. Um, I think if anything, if it's if it's still up in the air, you don't play him. You save him for for Tennessee because um, Alabama was able to beat Florida at home without Latrell. Now you need guys like Sam Walters to step up. You need the uh, the ball to, to fall just from a shooting standpoint because Latrell has just been so consistent as a shooter. He's been lethal. But um, yeah, we'll we'll have a better understanding kind of closer to tip off and. Uh, it's, it's one of those late-night tips, 8 p.m. tips, so it'll be later in the evening. Yeah, a couple of those coming up for Alabama in the midweek. Got another one on a short week or a short turnaround next Tuesday night in Gainesville. It's going to be late after coming off a primetime tip Saturday night in what is expected to be an absolute Donnybrook with Tennessee. Uh, boy, you talk about a stretch here. And, you know, you talk about Sam Walters – 
is as good as he looked against Florida. He looked a little sped up in that environment up in Lexington. Really, just never seemed to to find his footing. It it seemed like against Kentucky. Here's to a bounce back for the freshman who has done some really nice things this season for Alabama. It's also interesting too because apparently Alan Flanagan for Ole Miss is eligible to suit up for the Rebels despite being ejected for throwing an elbow to the head of South Carolina's Zachary Davis and the Rebels lost to the Gamecocks last weekend. That looked pretty egregious to me. Now, I didn't see all of the lead up to it, and maybe that's what I'm missing here. Maybe there was some stuff from Davis that led to more of a retaliatory, but usually if you go elbow to the head intentionally, uh, Mo Wagi, for example, uh, his situation against Kentucky uh, suspended. You surprised by that, Charlie? Flanagan being available, it appears? Very much so. Just because of the way that the SEC worded its release or its announcement of Mo Wage's suspension, because it was just the committing a fighting act on the court. And that is very blatantly a, a fighting act. So, yeah, I was I was shocked. Uh, I know, you know, listening to you guys earlier this week, uh, Tim was convinced it was going to happen, if not more games. Uh, yeah. So to see none – uh, it's kind of surprising. And it's, you know, the SEC is is going to make its decisions. It's it's also kind of a shame that, that Ole Miss didn't do anything either because, you know, Nate Oates was kind of adamant that if the SEC hadn't stepped in with Moage, they were going to do something. Alabama was. So, um, you know, I guess Chris Beard hangs his head on that, that toughness, and uh, that's maybe what he likes. Yeah, that was something that raised a few eyebrows, at least to this point. Maybe it's something that Ole Miss is keeping internal and that will actually be the case. But, yeah, you know, Ole Miss sitting there at 19-8 and eight overall and 6-8 and eight in the league, they need some Ws right now when yeah. you start talking about postseason play. And, boy, what a Wednesday night we have, too, around the league. Florida trying to maintain contact to the league lead in the standings, going to host Missouri. Uh, in an earlier tip-off, and then you get Auburn at Tennessee. Yeah, uh, that's a, a six central tip before you get Alabama and Ole Miss at eight Eastern on ESPN two. Even South Carolina at Texas A and M has ramifications uh, on the league race. So a lot to digest coming up tonight in Southeastern Conference basketball action. Well, Charlie, I think that's just about going to do it for us here on a Wednesday. Thanks for taking the time. Had a lot of fun with the draft. And again, really, really excited about this upcoming month. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. This, this was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it, it also kind of gets you prepped for, for spring practice. Uh, yeah. cause you kind of been in basketball mode. It seems like California was 40 years ago <laughs> at this point, but, uh, now looking forward to the month ahead. Cause this should be a lot of fun getting back on the practice field and, uh, also covering what should be a, an NCAA tournament run. And Charlie Potter's going to have us covered right there with us at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board for BOL. Everything we learn as we learn it, you're going to learn it as well at the roundtable on BamaOnline.com. More spring preview stuff coming up from Charlie and Clint Lamb and uh, also hoops, obviously, front and center and all that coverage as well. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel here for BamaOnline.com, we certainly hope you'll do that. Hit that subscribe button, hit the likes. We need those likes and also turn on those notifications. You'll get all of our video content 
as it drops. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanks again for joining us right here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. And until next time, so long, everybody.